Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. A quick extra message. If you are listening to this on the 11th or 12th of December 2019, then there's an extra message for some help at the end of this episode. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 11. The Plan. James felt terrible. He'd been tricked by number eight, and worse, he'd let down his friend. A bubble of anger was forming inside him. He needed to start putting things right, and his first thought was to get the key back. Despite the weather coming down hard, he ran back toward the Rodine Tunnel. The wind urged him forward now, sending surges of hail into his back like handfuls of gravel against his coat. The tunnel gate was still closed, so he took the little road, jumping over torrents of hailstones cascading down the steep tarmac. He was breathing hard and his legs were burning when he reached the top of the cliffs. He could see the girls' school building, grey and bleak, on the top of a grassy hill on the other side of the main coast road. By the time he had crossed the road, the hail had turned into a vicious rain, whipped up and into his eyes by strong gusts of wind. The school's driveway wound round the grassy hill to the entrance. James marched direct, his shoes immediately soaked through by the wet grass. When he was halfway across, he was feeling a lot wetter, a little colder, and a bit less angry. Even if he did get inside the school, what could they do? He didn't even know the girl's name, and he had no way of convincing the teachers that number eight had stolen anything. He slowed his march down, which is when he noticed the mole hills. They were all around him. The grass was covered in them, but he hadn't had to tread around a single one. And from where he stood, he could continue in a clear line to the school without hitting one. He checked that he wasn't on an actual path, then took a couple of steps to the side, and the clear line was not obvious at all. The molehills looked randomly distributed. The few seconds of standing around, looking at the molehills, sapped all the anger out of him. All he felt now was miserable, cold and wet. He couldn't get the key back. He just wanted to go home. He jogged back through the molehills to keep warm. It took him twice as long to cycle home. The wind was against him all the way, and his cheeks and hands were red and numb when he eventually let himself in. He thought about going straight round to speak to Jenny, but couldn't bring himself to do it. He would have to tell her at school in the morning. You did what? Jenny looked like she would have strangled him if her hands weren't holding crutches, that was. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. James looked sheepish. They were in the corridor outside a science lab, waiting for the next lesson. I know I was stupid, he said quietly. I should have listened to you. But number eight, of all the people. Next thing I know, you'll be having dinner with Lord Ratzenberg. Unbelievable. She tricked me. He knew it sounded weak. I thought she liked me. Liked you? Jenny's voice increased in volume. She had you thrown out of the pavilion. If she does that to people she likes, imagine being her enemy. Actually, we know what she does to people she doesn't like. 
Jenny held up her plastic splinted foot. What did you talk about? New methods in torture? Or how best to make people hate you? Mostly about the pavilion, James said. She showed me a tunnel through the cliffs to Rodine. Was that before or after she stole the Squiduckin key? Before. James was quiet. He wanted Jenny to calm down, but knew he couldn't make her. He would have been angry if she had given the key away. I think she's plotting against the prince, James said, and she'll use the Squiduckin key to help steal the treasures. Did you show her anything else? Jenny said, still not happy, but at least she wasn't shouting. Just the feather, but she gave that back. Jenny's look was enough to tell him to get the feather out and check it. Like the key, as soon as he looked at it properly, it was clearly not the same. So she has the feather too, Jenny said. She must think it's important. Perhaps it is the key to the air. We need to tell Melina, and we need to get the key and the feather back before she can do any harm. I'll go and see Melina straight after school, James said. And I was thinking about your foot. Have you thought about getting someone to help with it? I did see someone, a doctor, and they x-rayed it and gave me this cast thing. I know that. I was thinking about a more magical kind of help. You know, like I got. He held out his little finger, where, a year before, he'd been bitten by a deadly snake. You don't mean the priestess? Jenny looked aghast. We only went to her because you were actually going to die. She only decided not to eat you because the poison inside you would have killed her too. She was all right in the end, James said. And we know her weakness. That she doesn't want to ingest deadly poison? No. That she does want to ingest delicious pizza. Jenny did not look convinced. It was true the priestess did know how to cure things in ways that didn't really make sense to humans. But at the same time, she was a deadly badger with a slightly psychotic streak, worth visiting in a dire emergency, but otherwise best to avoid. Jenny did her best to persuade James that she did not want to involve the badger. James was insistent that the badger would help her as she had saved him the year before. In the end, the conversation steered round to what to do next. The royal visit is on Saturday, Jenny said, sounding much happier than she had since the football game. So we have today, Thursday and Friday, to steal back the key and feather and figure out Number 8's plan. The main problem was that with the key, Number 8 now had access to anywhere under Brighton, including the rooms under the pavilion. That meant she could already have found the treasure and stolen it, and possibly found the key to the air too. The best time to steal the key and the feather back will be during the football match tomorrow, James said. Number eight will be occupied, along with most of the school. It'll be risky, Jenny said, especially without the Squiduckin key. We'll have to take the risk. It's my fault that she's now got what she needs to carry out her plot. I won't be playing, Jenny said, but I can help keep an eye on things. We're going to need as many of the Green Hands gang as possible. James agreed. They wouldn't be able to sneak into Rodine and steal the key without help from the old gang. The Green Hands gang was formed at nursery and flourished at Balfour Primary School. It had two core members, James and Jenny, but over the years other Balfour children and some of their relatives and friends had been inducted into the gang for various adventures.
Sometimes it wasn't much at all, just getting together to look for evidence. Other times the gang got themselves into hot water or serious trouble. But they were always working together to solve a mystery, defeat a common enemy or something similar. And it was pretty much always something to do with Brighton's animal population. This time they would have to work together against number eight. It would be risky, but the gang were used to difficult situations. The hard part would be getting them together. Who can we rely on? Jenny asked. Well, I think we'll need Hugo, James said, even if he was a bit useless last time. Wilf's around at table tennis, and I'm sure he can rope his little brother Laurie into it. I think I saw Fred around the other day too. I'll see who else I can find at break time. By the end of the day, James had done his best to get the word out to the Green Hands gang. They would need a bit of luck to get everyone to the football match at Rodine, but the gang always pulled through. Jenny had come up with a plan. They would need people at the pitch side and a group to carry out the raid inside the school. It was audacious and dangerous, and they didn't really know what number eight had done with either the key or the feather. But they had to give it a try. OK, now I need some help this year. If you're listening and it's the 11th or 12th of December and you fancy being part of the Green Hands gang and want to help steal back the Squiducken key, then let me know soon. If you can send a message to me, or Vicky, by Friday, I'll try and write you into the story. But don't worry, I won't let anything bad happen to you. The gang definitely needs some help, though. That girl, number eight, is pretty mean. And I know James was a bit foolish for being tricked, but um, I'm sure she's got some other bad things planned and lined up along the way. If you want to be in it, can you ask an adult or send an email to tom at tdlwhite.com. That's uh, Thomas Delta Lima White, W-H-I-T-E dot com. Tom at tdlwhite.com. Or if your family or you know me, then text me or Vicky or message me on social media and I'll add your name to the list of uh, children in the Green Hands gang and hopefully get you into the story. If you're listening after the 12th of December 2019, then I won't be able to write you in this year, but that's okay. Maybe you can be in the gang in the future. Anyway, thanks for listening.